This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome to a Mercury retrograde today. And so far, touch wood, everything seems to be going according to plan which is not always the case with a Mercury retrograde. Um, and this week, um, I am going to dive deeply into the month of February, which I thought I would get to last week, and I did not. Um, but we're going to take our time and wander through this kind of really intense, amazing month that is up, going to be upon us on Monday? Yeah, Monday. Um, and unfortunately, I am on my own again. Um, my cohort and co-host, Jill, is still under the weather, so we will send healing vibes your way, and I hope to have her back with me next week. Um, yeah, so, uh, February. This is episode 67. Often when I'm doing my machinations after the show, putting this up on YouTube and Anchor and wherever else I put it. <laughs> I'm like, what episode is this? <laughs> so it is episode 67. Um, and what I'll do is I'm going to do, a, you know, sort of an overview first, and then I am going to go week by week. And so let's start with an overview. As I said, today, Mercury stationed to turn retrograde. It will uh, do its retrograde motion within the boundaries of the sign of Aquarius. Okay, it doesn't always do that when it retrogrades. Sometimes it'll cross sign boundaries in its motion. Uh, but in this particular turn, um, it will be sticking to Aquarians and Aquarius. And so those are the folks who are likely to, ex ex you know, like experience the most direct effects, which basically you, um, you know, you put that R-E word in front of everything. Redo, rethink, recalibrate, reschedule, just put re everywhere. <laughs> Okay, so that that will um, bracket most of the month. And uh, okay, so the rest of the month, though, uh, and for much of the month, we have this major mashup, an assembly, aka think of high school assemblies or question period in Parliament. We have Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, the Sun. And for almost three days, we will also have the moon as well. So out of the seven traditional planets, we will have six of them. 
Um, and of course, in a large group of like-minded people, there will always be a guy making fart noises. Now, that particular analogy comes straight from Austin Kopic, um, uh, an astrologer who gets together with Chris Brennan and Kelly Surtees to do monthly, yearly forecasts. And that was his analogy, and I thought it was kind of apropos. Uh, that will be Mars making that fart noise. So I want you to remember that, <laughs> you know, Mars is in Taurus. And if we need to know what Mars and Taurus can look like when it's squaring off with Aquarius, all we have to think about is that guy in Congress, uh, you know, in that room with the horns on, painted blue and red and white and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's the guy with the fart noises. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so, and he's obviously the only traditional planet that's not in on the Aquarian party. He is in Taurus, so, you know, Taurus is ruled by Venus. So feeling, you know, like he would like to be relational, but obviously he was, he's not. Okay. So, and Jill made a comment when we were discussing the year ahead that the mashup in Aquarius is like the final compression of a spring. And what will be set off with that spring? Uh, we're going to find out for sure this month because we get the first of three exact squares from Saturn to Uranus. And that one is on the 17th. February, as we also spoke of in our yearly forecast, is probably going to feel more like a proper New Year's Eve feeling. And the suggestion here is for grand, innovative, radical, future-oriented movements to take off. Um, now, this isn't necessarily brand new movements, but movements that are probably already in the works across the globe. You know, think um, India, Russia, um, and I'm sure there are many other, um, you know, socially stirred up groups that are starting to move. And that spring is getting loaded. Okay, and so they're going to want to, like, they're not giving up. We're talking fixed signs here. So these movements aren't going to just quietly go away. No, no, no. And this is going to be the year where we're probably going to see the most dramatic action. And that action starts this February. Okay, so some keywords to kind of banty about. And this can be keywords that you use um, in your own life, wherever um, this mashup assembly of planets is taking place. And a little later in the episode, I'm going to go through the houses um, to see what that might look like. Okay, so here are some of the keywords that will go with this mashup. We have um, the center wanting not necessarily to deal with the periphery right? So the center, the structure, Saturn, the periphery, those, you know, weird outliers. Yeah, no, 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 no. The square is demanding respect from both sides. Okay, so it's reorienting, a clash with structure, traditional versus innovative. Okay, it's also an intensification, right? These are stuck, stubborn positions. And, um, and what's interesting about a stuck, stubborn position is the other does not see itself as that. 
typically, especially the innovative side. They don't see themselves as being particularly stuck. Okay, inflaming. This is the fact that Mars periodically is going to come in and trigger this. And so, of course, Mars is in Taurus. Um, it's already uh, done its conjunction to uh, Uranus. That was on the day uh, that the president was sworn in to the south of us. Uh, but he's still in Taurus and will be, yes, throughout this, the course of February, still in Taurus, still possible to f flame in as it bounces and squares off all of these other six planets in Aquarius. Okay, so old, new, past, future, a break from the past, just themes to keep in mind. Okay, so for those who are following along with their own charts, remember that this month gives you an opportunity to get a feel for how Aquarian energy is going to play out in your own life. And um, keep in mind that although right now we have this major loading of the spring, that this Aquarian Saturn and Taurus Uranus, this is with us for 2022 all the way through until March of 2023. So this is not a short-term thing, even though possibly the biggest fireworks will be this year. Okay, so here's some examples. Let's say you have Aquarius rising. Okay, and what I'm about to go through is my take on what you might do with this energy. Okay, so stepping into your truth, even when it challenges the norm of who you normally are. Okay, first house. Second house, the financial and resource development that can take you into your future. Innovating, yes. What's interesting about this particular arena, of course, is um, this mirrors what traditionally uh, Taurus can be about, uh, about resources um, and personal resources. And so to strike out in an innovative way um, for making resources. Okay, third house, your hood or peeps, <laughs> creating a Zoom group with your truth in mind. Your siblings just might be stepping out with this. Okay, so um, not every house or planets within those houses is necessarily just strictly about you. Modern context, we tend to see the whole chart in terms of your psychology. Ancient astrology, no, no, you were the ascendant, the ascendant ruler, and the moon predominantly. The rest were likely going to be other people and how their lives impacted yours. So third house can definitely about um, immediate family relationships, siblings, etc. Okay, so if it isn't about you, then respecting different points of view, you know, when your kid brother runs off and joins the circus or, you know, whatever, whatever. It could be that type of thing. Fourth house, what, what's hidden that needs to see the light of day in terms of family, family dynamics, revolt, or revolution? What to not carry forward into the future or what should you carry forward into the future? And so this is the, the ground of being, the fourth house. And oftentimes that ground is hidden. But with this much action, especially in February, there's likely to be stuff that pops up 
um, out of the past, um, within your own psyche, etc. It can also be just literally about your family. It could be your parents going through a huge turmoil, um, you know, needing to move, needing to literally, you know, change residence, fourth house. Okay, fifth house, children allowed to be themselves. No gender bias is now a thing. Your creative revolution. Okay, so this, again, this could uh, come out strictly through your children in which their uniqueness needs to be supported and acknowledged and given space. Um, it can also be, you know, that challenge too, but... And, you know, especially in my generation, um, gender fluidity was not a thing when we were growing up. You know, you were definitely cast as male or female. And yes, you know, as we uh, came into the 60s and the 70s, uh, people came out of the closets and we began to absorb that whole idea. Um, but we were still pretty much stuck with the idea of um, male and female and specific roles. Um, but now we've even reached a stage in human um, awareness in which why do we even need to have gender uh, assignments of any kind? And so that fifth house piece of creatively interacting with that whole concept, um, I know for myself, is one of the challenges that I need to take on. And to just find language and understanding um, for that whole concept, you know, like what would the world be like without gender assignment, okay? And yeah, I mean, that's kind of exciting. Okay, so it's also just strictly your own creative approach. You know, are you stepping forward into your truth, breaking out of whatever the, the normal, um, expression of your creativity has been, you know, bringing, revolutionizing that. Okay, sixth house, probably a tougher one, okay, because this could imply problems with one's health. And uh, because it's a fixed sign, this could be stuff that has been ignored and, you know, you need to just take a revolutionary approach to changing something, you know, so this could be a radical shift in your um, physical day-to-day -day thing, you know, where you were a couch potato and now you're a marathon runner or vice versa. Um, it's also about how you see what community you want to, to be a servant to. Okay, because Sixth House is also about, well, back in the Hellenistic times, of course, it was about slaves and those who, uh, or people that were in that position where they were under the um, control of other people. And so that whole contract with society in terms of um, are you in a community situation that is true for you? Okay, so the, the real surge in uh, co-housing developments and that type of thing, I see that totally as an Aquarian sixth house phenomena, which I feel personally is amazing because it's bringing back the village mentality where you have um, all age groups all in one area able to support each other, etc. So sixth house. 
Seventh house. This one is probably going to be very personal and could involve major shifts in your face-to-face relationships. Um, So this can also be business. It's not just your romantic ones or your marriages. And an old saying that I used to come up with, which I'm not entirely sure I'm still good with. But anyway, it used to go like this. You know, if there needs to be a revolution in a relationship, then um, the other party, so if you're the one that's going to step out in your truth, um, what what's the um, program for the other person? And I used to be quite blunt. I do have Aries rising. Um, and I would say, well, the other person has three options, change, leave, or die. Those are kind of it. And <laughs> although... <laughs> I don't know if that's, you know, as nuanced as it probably should be. I suspect I should add, um, yeah, there should be more nuance in there. But anyway, uh, that's the seventh house. So you can revolutionize, um, but it's difficult, right? Because this is tension. This is stress. This is Uranus against Saturn. And so for a relationship to make it through this kind of impact, Um, it's going to take some real stepping up to the plate uh, for relationships to make it through this. Okay, so eighth house. Holy doodle hoppers. This one will be, um, I'll be looking for some examples from this one, actually. Um, Yeah, I should look for search databases for folks who will be going through this one so that we can check back in in a year's time or two years time and see just how they've managed it. Eighth house, of course, is about things like death and dying, taxes, power sharing, oh, and of course, sex. So this could be your husband coming out as fluid gender or um, you know, uh, one having unfortunate encounters uh, with one's sexuality where, yeah, where, you know, you thought you were X and now you realize you're not even X or Y. Um, not sure. It's probably more simply expressed in the fact that the tax man catches up to you Um, or you get an unexpected refund. That one would be nice. Um, Another Aquarian-Taurus mashup in the eighth house, uh, unfortunately, can be an unexpected death of, uh, you know, someone that you didn't realize you were even connected to and, um, you know, having a windfall of money. It can also be that you discover that you're on the hook for um, taxes that uh, you thought were safely buried away um, and, you know, no, they catch up to you. So it's difficult stuff. And I guess the final one I would like to mention here is the fact that it does have issues around power. Who has the power within a relationship? Whether And so this could even imply job losses and that type of thing where, you know, you thought you were getting stock options and you discover you're not, um, that type of thing. Yeah. Ninth house, probably the most exciting one because this is you really breaking out and speaking to your truth, having a revolt against truth that is not you, that you've been held hostage to. 
uh, breaking out of a mindset you did not realize was blocking your future, for instance. Um, you know, just having that wake up call, that aha moment. Um, and of course, if it was anything but a year where COVID has definitely not gone away, it might have involved travel, but this is travel via Zoom. That would be what I would recommend. Um, and so it's, it's like taking that um, risk and stepping out and, uh, you know, doing something new, something adventurous. Tenth house. Okay, are you ready to make your case out there in the public? Okay, so your take on the future, time to make your case public. Clinging to the old just might create an eruption in your own position out in the world. So if you're too tightly um, glued to what you believe, or not so much what you believe, but in how you want yourself to be seen out in the world, Saturn Uranus could come and just crack that egg open. Um, and so better to, I would say, uh, be the one who does the cracking rather than having the world at large crack that open. Okay, 11th house. This is just classic. Okay, so um, if you've got Aquarius on the 11th, you're like me, you have Aries rising. Um, and so this is commitment to a new world community where individuality, diversity is honored and celebrated. And so, um, you know, for me to check in and uh, plug into all of the groups that are doing um, community building things, that's going to be my gig for this year, is encouraging, supporting in whatever way I can, um, like-minded people who are building local community. And uh, that's how I feel and see uh, the 11th house. It's, it's, yeah, it's social commitment uh, to um, having all of us supported. 12th house, okay, time to take a big step back out. Time to incubate your truth. To wrap up the month, there is an energy shift which will um, support those who have had to do a major retreat with Aquarius uh, in the 12th. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, you just want to take a step out and find an environment in which you can allow your own um, eruptions to occur and to digest it and to understand it. Um, it doesn't need to be public at all. Matter of fact, doing an Aquarian thing in a public way from the 12th house risks things like imprisonment and that type of thing. So yeah, maybe not so much. Um, I would definitely take a, an Aquarian 12th house February month as retreat time. Retreat time there. <laughs> Okay, so ending this uh, month, um, we do have a shift out of this major mashup of Aquarius. We have um, <clears throat> Venus and the Sun moving out into Pisces. And so by the end of the month, we're, we've got Mercury, um, Jupiter, and Saturn, and that's it. And uh, yay, you know, it, it's the spring will have been sprung by then. 
Okay, so let's look at it week to week. Yeah, okay. So this first week, starting Monday, yeah. Um, we see the sun square Mars putting a temporary challenge to agendas that want to move forward. Um, and there is a challenge because Mercury, of course, is now retrograde. And so it's going to demand that we slow down and pay attention to objections of others um, because they just might likely be warranted. Okay, Venus herself is makes her ingress into Aquarius. So she steps up to this assembly, walks in the door. Um, and she adds her voice to the call for forward ideas. Her first agenda is to join with Saturn and to build teams of like-minded people. That happens on February the 5th. Blah, blah, blah. Saturn Venus, though, creating groups, structures of like-minded people who must confront those in charge of the social contract. The values on the ground need updating. Can the ideas that have come together this week work on the ground or have voices been ignored? And again, this is, a, you know, your classic example of what's happening with India and the farmers with Russia and the jailing of a dissident, uh, Nav Navlani. Nav yeah. Anyway, I wish him well. I had a look at his chart and who him staying alive is, yeah, it's kind of on an edge there. That chart does not look good for, you know, being sacrificed. Let's pray that, you know, Russia takes a turn here. Okay, so with Venus doing this, going from Saturn to Uranus, this is called the translation of light. And it ties two planets together. So in this particular case, of course, it's Saturn-Uranus. So this is like a sneak preview from Venus of what's going to come with that first major con um, square, which goes exact on February 17th. And so Saturday the 6th, Venus squares Uranus, upping the call for new relationships to happen, and especially I'm hoping to hear good news on the environmental front. Uh, my whole shtick with Uranus in Taurus has been, um, my feeling is that it's, um, that that's the planet. That's Gaia saying, hello, hello folks, uh, this is finite and you're mucking with it pretty badly. Anyway, that's my hope. Uh, this Venus action will give us clues personally and collectively as to what is building up in February. Okay, so this first week will give you some insight. Venus does, does want to harmonize Saturn and Uranus. Hmm, energy. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, but it's possible. It's possible to have structured innovation. Yes, it is possible. <laughs> Okay. Week two. Uh, by this point, Mercury has backed up to the sun and will, ergo, once it passes the sun, uh, will become again a morning star. This is the middle of the retrograde period and the reworked solutions uh, begin to make an appearance. Okay. And this happens just prior to the new moon. Uh, Mercury will then square Mars and aggressive words and actions will flare. Now, I am going to put up on my shared screen for the uh, YouTube version of this. 
Um, the first, uh, do, 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 do. let's see if I can get this up here. Okay, this new moon in February is just awesome. <laughs> I love this. Okay, so what you will see, okay, uh, the new moon is on uh, February the 11th. It's at 11.05 a.m. Uh, here in Powell River. And all of the action in Powell River actually takes place in the ninth house. Uh, so to seed, to start things, this is like a, an amazingly good start date. Uh, <coughs> Venus is approaching Mercury. Mercury rules that first house. So yeah, this is a good electional chart for new ideas being launched. Um, and so we have a, almost an exact uh, Jupiter-Venus conjunction. And what's so amazing, uh, I've done charts where folks have been born with a Venus-Jupiter conjunction. And wherever that falls in their life, they are able to bring an, uh, 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 an embodied experience of joyfulness about life. Um, it's it's probably one of the best combinations that you can get because of course from an ancient perspective Venus and Jupiter are the two benefics so you put them together and these folks know how to have fun and of course it depends on what sign it is as to what they call fun um, and what house it's in as to where that fun takes place but all in all it's fun so this is like the setting of the spring. Okay, we have the maximum action here because the moon is now involved with that Aquarian. So out of the seven traditional planets, we have six of them all mashed up in Aquarius. And um, yes, it's, you know, Saturn and Uranus are incredibly close. And Mars has just left that square to Mercury. So, or Mercury has just um, left the square to Mars. And so the, the harshness of Mars, yes, it does by um, sign square this whole shoot and match, but it's not making a really close direct aspect, okay? Because that Mercury is separating. Anyway, wonderful loading of the spring be very interested to see what is but a loading of the spring in a hopeful way I think that's kind of what uh, and so also what I had said uh, what Jill and I had talked about in our um, yearly thing was that this could feel like the actual New Year's Eve or New Year's Day of 2021 okay so, and I just wanted to comment that the last time we had this kind of alignment was February the 5th, 1962, and it even had Mars present. And so I am going to also put that chart up, okay, of the new moon. And it was for Powell River here, it was the 4th, February the 4th, 1962. Um, and what's interesting about it is that Uranus was opposing that mashup in the late degrees of, Ur of Leo. And so it too had this Saturn-Uranus experience as being part of it. Okay, so and I've just put that chart up. Now, I went and I looked, okay, so what was happening in the world that might give us some clues as to what 
how the spring is loaded right now. So we had uh, the civil rights movement in the U.S. was in full swing. The U.S. imposed severe sanctions on China. That's kind of reminiscent of the Iranian-U.S. confrontation that's happening. Um, We also had, in terms of wars and stuff, we had the beginning of the use of Agent Orange in the Vietnam conflict, an aerosol. This is air signs, remember, not a good thing. On a more positive side, we had John Glenn make, he was the first human to orbit the Earth in 1962, in particular in February. In Canada, um, we had this, and I had to read this. This was just sad when I read this. 500 forest scientists are trying to turn Canada's 1.71 million squares of timber into one tame crop like wheat. And I went, oh, no, really? Ah, so 62, we didn't really get biodiversity. And, um, you know, so there can be innovative ideas, but and, and that can be Aquarian, but doesn't necessarily mean it's the right one. Okay, so uh, we were also concerned about the fact that uh, Great Britain, who we were still very much tethered to, was joining the European common market. Isn't that interesting? Because they just left that same common market. Okay, so questions, questions, what might we expect? Okay, so... um, Around the two days of that new moon this month, we all uh, we all have that Mars, um, who is not in the party with the traditional planets. Um, they are in a sign-based square yet, so there will be this tension. So wherever Taurus is in your chart, you might want to sort of look at, okay, what is the tension that that is creating? Okay. Uh, To round out that week, we have Venus and Mercury come together. Uh, You might want to pass on doing any kind of negotiations because, of course, Mercury is still retrograde. That's February the 12th. Uh, February the 13th, Mars and Neptune sextile each other as a warm-up to Valentine's Day. That might just be really nice. Okay, Valentine's Day is actually quite lovely. Mercury and Jupiter do a dance together, which should buoy the spirits. Poetry at its best. Okay, week three, a drum roll, please. So not a lot of action until the main event. And that, of course, is February the 17th. And that is the first of the Saturn-Uranus exact squares happening the spring will be sprung. Now, because this is a cycle between two very slow-moving planets, Uranus, 84 years, uh, Saturn takes a little less than 30, uh, the actual day itself may not have anything particular, but through the course of this month, we will see just what gets sprung from the Aquarian spring. Okay. Um the sun then makes his escape almost immediately a couple of days later out of Aquarius in into Pisces and so there we'll probably actually notice that there will be a lessening of tension okay um the assembly basically is starting to file out the door okay Friday we see Venus square Mars and sparks fly in relationship Mercury 
which has been retrograde since today, January the 30th, at, uh, started at 26 degrees. Aquarius will now station and turn direct at um, 11 Aquarius on February the 20th, and we get to return to normal programming. Okay. February 4th, or February 4th, the fourth week of February, pardon me, uh, Mars is making tracks through the final degrees of Taurus, and we'll come to a trine to Pluto on February the 24th, and um, with that, I'm just pulling up uh, the full moon, because I'll be talking about that shortly, who was the power and are they wielding it well? Okay, um, yeah, so Pluto with Mars is all about who's got the power. And this is coming from Capricorn, you know, remember 2020 <laughs> and the assault on um, the structure of how we saw the world and how it came to a complete stop. Remember that? <laughs> well, um, we will get sort of uh, a pushback from the conservative, let's keep it the way it always is. Um, and we will probably see that pushback happening around February 24th. Okay, so then the sun from its new position in Pisces comes up to sextile Uranus. Uh, the planet has a voice, do tune in, and that is February 27th. We wrap up this month with a full moon on the 27th at 8 degrees of Virgo. And as you can see, the whole mashup in Aquarius is now down to just three planets. Um, and uh, we've got Mercury between Saturn and Jupiter. So it's sort of translating uh, the energy of those two together. And with Virgo moon, of course, that Mercury becomes more important. It is direct now, bonus points. And so we get to, you know, talk about just what is going on and possibly come up with new ideas uh, to point that out. Now, Virgo is also able to bring practical, detailed look at the state of the world and its connection to Uranus, Gaia. I hope what the moon sees in humanity going, that humanity is going in the right direction. Okay, so there you have it, February. And I sort of knew that going through the month, I was going to be a little short on detail, uh, or not detail, but time. And so what I did is I went looking for um, someone born when we had that last major mashup in 62. And I found someone who kind of emulates what can happen if you were born. And, you know, again, we will have kids born around February the 11th. Um, and um, this is one example of who just might be arriving on the planet. So here we have Eddie Izzard. And um, there's quite a profile on Wikipedia. There was also a profile, which I'm about to read, uh, on um, Astrodata. And um, if he, he just so epitomizes what you might expect from an Aquarian with this much Aquarian energy running. Uh, so his birth date was February the 7th, 1962 in Aden, Yemen. He was born to British parents. And so he did move back to Britain when he was quite young. 
So here goes his bio, and this is taken from the astrology website that I got his birth data from. Okay, uh, British heterosexual male transvestite stand-up comic who today calls himself gender fluid, by the way. He's a stand-up comedian, actor, and entertainer, and with this much fixed energy, you would not believe his list of projects and movies and acting and comedy and it just goes on and on right you get this much fixed energy and this man produces okay um he won two emmy awards for best acting uh by a single performer in comedy music or a variety special best writing in a comedy music or variety special for dress to kill which aired on hbo through 1999 he followed this with a sold out eight city tour of north america he is five foot seven with untidy blonde hair and a rumpled face that looks slept in. I thought that was kind of interesting. He has Virgo rising. Um, and of course, that Mercury is part of that huge Aquarian st- uh, stellium. And it is retrograde. It did turn direct when he turned 10. Okay. Um, born, as I said, in Yemen to British parents, Izzard was the oldest of two sons. The family moved to Ireland and South Wales in 1967, where his dad worked as an accountant. His mum was a nurse. He remembers his mum as being wonderful, loving, never critical, that he liked to dress in girls' clothes. So she was fine with that. Um, he has moon, which... You know, by the time he was born, it had left Aquarius, and so it was in Pisces in the 7th. Okay. Um, But his mom, unfortunately, passed when he was quite young, when he was 6. Before his death, his parents had decided that their sons would be best at boarding school. And it was like being hit, this is his quote, like being hit over the head with a sledgehammer, he recalled. Occasionally, I still collapse in floods of tears at the thought of it. Off I went to St. John's Boarding School in Port Call, Wales. It was run by a very pleasant mad man called Mr. Crump, whom we nicknamed the man from hell that we all hate. Seeing as my mom had just died, I decided to cry relentlessly for about a year. Mr. Crump would help me along with beatings when he could fit them in. Oh, God, geez, darn. Oh, yeah, tough stuff. He has Saturn exactly, well, within 20 minutes of being conjunct Mars, right? Yeah, okay. So at 15, he discovered puberty, acne, and acne and acting dropped out of upper school after a year he spent five years as a street performer working as a barman or a waiter for subsistence Izzard came out as a transvestite when he was 23 and I thought wow yeah you could do this you know they've got that strength of having so many planets in a fixed sign plus Pluto is probably close on his ascendant. Now, this is a rectified time. We didn't have a birth time. And so I did come up with a different one myself. But um, once I got further into his biography, I went back to the one that had been 
uh, used in the source where I got his data from. So Virgo rising with Pluto on the ascendant, able to like, yeah, so I'm a transvestite, get over it. Um, after his apprenticeship on the streets, Izzard reached the status of a world-class entertainer during his eight years as a main stage act. He has taken his unique brand of comedy to basically all over the world, Iceland, France, Australia. This was written quite a while back, and if you go to his website, um, he is still a moving force. And like I say, if you go to Wikipedia, you can just see what all he has been involved in. Uh, Izzard believes in clothing equality, and because women have a choice of pants and dresses, he thinks men should too. He sticks to pants for his stage show, but often wears makeup, nail polish, and always outrageous high heels. You think Tina Turner looks good strutting in stilettos? Well, wait till you see Izzard. Religion is a favorite theme. He acts out conversations between Jesus and God, with God's voice always an imitation of the great British actor James Mason. During the Los Angeles run of Izzard's latest one-man show, Circle, his first words as God brought delighted shouts and applause from the audience that included Cher, Brad Pitt, Jennifer Anston, etc. In Circle, major topics include the Pope, uh, Charlton Heston, the Spanish Inquisition, um, etc., uh, so he's, and his movie stuff is, he's been in Oceans 13. Like I say, his creds just go on and on and on. So I thought what I would do, and I, you know, I encourage you to, you know, sort of look him up and just see what his life has been about. And so what happens if you have a chart like this? Um, everything comes back to that Aquarian sixth house. So one of his current gigs is he raises money for charities by, guess what, doing physical fitness. He runs marathons constantly. And we're talking the 26-mile version, not little short hops. And um, even currently on his website, he is seeking donations after doing, he's doing 31 marathons in 31 days. Um, yeah. And his shtick right now is make humanity great again, sort of stealing from the Trump thing. Okay, so... If this birth time is accurate, this gives him a night chart, which unfortunately makes Saturn the uh, malefic not of the sect in favor. Um, but what's interesting in his chart is he put the two malefics together. So he's got Saturn and Mars, like within minutes of an exact conjunction, although Mars has passed Saturn, so it's separating, which is good. Um, and he also has the two benefics together, Jupiter, Venus, and, um, you know, and then the sun and Mercury are kind of sandwiched in between those two positions. But with that much focus in one sign, of course, it all roads lead back there, except for the moon, of course. And it thankfully has a bit of uh, context to add to this. Okay, so... Um, he is dignified, this malefic, right? And so, because he is in his own sign. And so he, you know, will support in a very structured way um, all the planets that sit in his house. Um, but he has a very strict regiment. And, you know, as soon as I saw that whole piece about, you know, um, 
31 marathons in 31 days. If that doesn't shout Saturn, <laughs> I don't know what does, <laughs> right? But the Saturn Mars, it's like, yes, I have the stamina to do this. And it's all Aquarian. He's raising money for humanity in a gig that's called Make Humanity Great Again. I mean, it's just amazing. Okay, so um, the... Uh, the fact that Venus and Mars are all in that same sign, uh, this is the optimism par excellence for gender fluidity. Uh, and again, it's an Aquarian thing. And if you can imagine back in, when did they say he came out? When he was 23. So that would have been uh, 80s, the early 80s. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, people were definitely coming out of the closet at that time. But um you know, to just stand out and make no apology for it. Again, having that much fixed energy makes that kind of statement totally possible. Okay, so the moon offers some uh, digression from all of this. And so it is in the same seventh house. And I suspect for a comedian that this is a bonus point because um, you get an empathic reading on... Um, your audience and um, and it rules the 11th house right and the 11th house um, cancer that is your audience right and so having moon in Pisces yeah excellent now it also rules the fourth house which sort of speaks to you know the loss of his mom um, and what else? What else did I put about that? Uh, the fact that it's female energy being expressed through a male body. I kind of tied that in with uh, the uh, fact that mom made it perfectly okay for him to dress uh, in women's clothes. Okay, so also that, um, okay, so the Pisces moon itself is ruled by Jupiter. And that Jupiter, as I was saying, it's not of the sect in favor, but it is um, conjunct Venus, which is the sect in favor. So like I was saying earlier, you put Venus-Jupiter together and this group knows how to have fun. And in an Aquarian way, well, off the wall, not typical. And, um, and so for him, the joy of just wearing what he wants to wear, you know, the fact that he can pull off stilettos and fingernails and makeup, and he's perfectly comfortable. Um, earlier today, I watched him on a clip from one of the, you know, um, nighttime TV variety show things and yeah you I mean obviously at this stage in his life he is totally comfortable with who he is but it will be interesting to see um, one of the things that struck me though with his current marathon spiel is the sun does rule the 12th house and the sun is in the sixth house so you know he is staying on top of his fitness no doubt about it but is he pushing it maybe just a little too far anyway i hope he successfully manages his 31 days 31 marathons and raises the kind of money that he is hoping to raise but you know that's a bit of a challenge okay um 
So the other thing that happens with Saturn Mars is um, in his Wikipedia piece, um, he said that, yes, he does do relationships, but they are very much not in the public. Um, and that would speak to the Saturn Mars, also Saturn Venus. And when you put Saturn with both Mars and Venus, it delays but what it does give you is maturity, sort of a bittersweet um, understanding and experience of love and uh, relationship. And it comes to fruition later in life. And so, you know, he is obviously um, coming up to a shift. This will be his uh, second Saturn return this year. And, and so he gets to reinvent himself. Um, for this next 30-year period of his life. He is also from an annual perfection. He is now in his 11th house, and so he's moving into a 12th house perfection on February the 7th when his birthday comes around, which is like next weekend. Um, and so we might just see him retire from the public eye for a little space of a year and reinvent himself. And that's why I sort of, you know, kind of made those comments about his son and his heart, just because on a on an annual perfection, he is moving into his 11th house. And it's like, oh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. This is, yeah, because people, it's not uncommon for people to experience um, some health challenges in their uh, 12th house perfection year, which is ruled by the sun. And like I say, the sun can have issues around the heart. Anyway, I hope that I'm totally off the mark with that one because he seems like a wonderful person. hate to see him, you know, not get a chance to take a stab at the third chapter of his life. Okay, what else was I going to comment about this? Yeah. Okay, I think that pretty much covers our Eddie Izzard and my show for this week. Um, you're obviously going to get to, um, if you're on the radio and listening to this, you are going to get an opportunity to probably hear the entire recording of um, the instrumental version of Aquarius, <laughs> Let the Sun Shine In, or maybe I should switch and do the actual, I think maybe I will, yeah, let's listen to the kids actually um, singing that Aquarian song. And um, so thank you, folks, for listening. And uh, just a reminder, you have been listening to CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And please stay safe. Uh, let's keep the curve coming down. Um, it's not over till it's over. And the vaccines are uh, too slow. Darn. Anyway, take care. And we will see you next week.